attract young people are interested. They want to know, is my faith well-grounded? Is the foundation firm or is it squishy? Is it built on wishful thinking and mythology and legend? Or is it built on a solid foundation of historical truth? Voice of Lee Strobel opening today's first person program. Welcome, I'm Wayne Shepherd. In a few moments, we'll talk with Lee about his remarkable journey from atheist to apologist for the Christian faith, even as his book, The Case for Christ, reaches a publishing milestone with a new edition. So please stay tuned. But first, I invite you to stop by our website for not only information about today's guest, but also a look at upcoming programs and an archive of past broadcasts you can explore. We're found at firstpersoninterview.com. Now, an even easier way of keeping up with each week's program is by downloading our free smartphone app, giving you the ability to listen and or download any current or past program to be played anytime you wish. Just search First Person Interview in your app store. As always, thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company for their support, which makes these programs possible. I sat down with the apologist Lee Strobel at the Woodlands Church in Houston, Texas. His classic book, The Case for Christ, has recently been re-released. And as we began to talk, we expressed prayerful concern for our friend Nabil Qureshi, who's undergoing treatment for stomach cancer. He's a great man, uh, an amazing person. Of course, grew up as a Muslim uh, in a loving home and um, became a medical doctor. He has now two advanced degrees in religion and uh, really was open enough to investigate the evidence for Christianity, came to faith in Christ, and God has used him. His book, uh, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, is a uh, just a terrific, terrific text for anybody who wants to understand Islam and um, tells the story of his journey. He's, he's terrific. He's married to a wonderful woman, Michelle. Uh, was an ensign in the uh, Coast Guard. They have a uh, little one-year-old daughter, hmm. and as you no, he's suffering from very severe uh, cancer right yeah, now, stomach yeah. cancer. Such and a shock. It really was, because he's so young. He's in his 30s, uh, accomplished and, and so much. And God is using him in oh, incredible ways, and incredible. suddenly this setback, so to speak, And but who knows what God has in store. We're know. praying for a miracle, and... Um, uh, we really believe God is able to heal, and you know, you think he was with Ravi Zacharias uh, yeah. for quite a while, and Ravi was miraculously healed of his back pain after 27 years. I hadn't thought about yeah. that. Yeah, you're right. And yes. so, so here's what's interesting: the man who um, prayed for Ravi and his back was healed is now he's from the Philippines. He's now praying for Nabil. Oh, so wonderful. Yeah. Well, he's a good man who yes. loves the Lord and yeah. has such a dramatic testimony, and God's using his testimony to bring the Muslim world to Christ and many others right. as well. Right. So we we do pray for Nabil. Yeah, he's, he, he, I hope that all the listeners will take a moment and lift him up in prayer. Lee, we've talked many times through the years, uh, starting when you were uh, a relatively new convert. Yeah. Uh, you Let's go back to the beginning. You worked for the Chicago Tribune. Right. Uh, some of our listeners will re- recall that. And by the way, what an astute uh, thing to get out of newspapering. Boy, <laughs> I look back on that. You know, I love newspapers. It was in, I have printer's ink in my blood. And to work at the Chicago Tribune, the biggest newspaper between the coasts, great staff, and to be legal editor there was a, a lifelong dream. And, of course, I left to go into full-time ministry at Willow Creek Church and ultimately Saddleback and elsewhere. 
um, never wanting to leave journalism, but as you say, I'm kind of glad I yeah, God yeah. brought me in that I, direction. I, I know it was a calling, not a vocational issue right, in your life, but right. it was pretty smart, I think. Well, it turned out good, I, I tell you, because I, I feel sorry for some of my friends who stayed in it. <laughs> some of whom aren't in it now, That's true. even of the last as of the last few days. You know, it's they're sad. they're really uh, they're really struggling there in in, uh, in the newspaper world. Yeah, but as you said, you went on staff at Willow Creek Church, and that's where we met. Right. And, uh, what was the what was the impetus for you to investigate Christianity in the first place? It really was my wife, Leslie. Uh, we got married. We met when we were fourteen years old uh, on a street corner in Chicago. Uh, she was with a guy who was a friend of mine, and he called me over and said, "Hey, let me introduce you to my friend Leslie." And um, I, I thought, "Uh oh, uh, I like this young woman." And she went home and told her mom, "I met the boy I'm going to marry." Really? Yeah. And uh, sure enough, when I was twenty and she was nineteen, we got married. I had a happy marriage. She was agnostic. I was atheist. And um, everything was copacetic until one day we moved into a condo. One day. One day in, in Palatine, Illinois. And a neighbor woman named Linda brought over a plate of cookies. And that plate of cookies started a ball in motion that changed our lives because Linda became best friends with Leslie. Uh, she shared Jesus with Leslie. Leslie asked questions, checked it out, went to church with her. And several months later, came up to me and said, Lee, I made a big decision. I said, what? She said, I've decided to become a follower of Jesus. And I thought, oh, no. I mean, seriously, the first word that went through my mind was divorce. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah, I was going to walk out. Goodness. Oh, listen, I was a drunken, uh, immoral, um, uh, living a a kind of a a wild life um, as an atheist, Uh, had a lot of anger issues, um, didn't like Christians, didn't like uh, the idea of there being a God who would look over my shoulder and tell me what to do. And suddenly Uh, you're married to one of those people. Yes, yes. And you know what surprised me? Positive things began to happen. Her her character, her values, um, the way she related to me and the children was winsome and attractive. And and so finally, I'll never forget, one day, uh, Sunday morning, I'm sleeping off a hangover. She's getting ready to go to church. And she looks at me, she says, why don't you come to church with me today? And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go and, and get her out of this cult that she's involved <laughs> yeah. in. I'll rescue her. <laughs> I'll rescue her. And part of me was, I felt like I was losing her to the evangelical subculture. Mm. I felt like she was having an affair with Jesus. Mm. Here was this man in her life, this guy named Jesus, who all of a sudden she loves, and she and, and it's like, who's this guy? Yeah. Who, what does that make he me? He was her highest priority, not Ex- you. Exactly. So I went with her that day to Willow Creek Church, which was meeting in a movie theater, and uh Bill Hybels gets up, and uh, it was so young, I don't even think he was shaving, and uh, gave a talk called Basic Christianity. And it was just the gospel. And here I was, about almost 30 years old, I'd never understood the Christian message before. I just, I had it all garbled in my, my head. So I heard it, and I walked out that day, and I said two things. Number one, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm still an atheist. He didn't convince me that God exists. But then secondly, I realized, you know, if this stuff is true, this has huge implications, you know. So I decided that day, take my legal training, take my journalism training, and investigate it. Because here's the thing, Wayne, unlike virtually every other religion in the world, Christianity is investigatable. Mm -hmm. You can't do this with Buddhism. You can't do it with, with Hinduism. 
Christianity is a historical religion, and it makes certain claims about things that happen in history. Those things can be investigated. So I thought I can take the same skills that I investigate stories for the Chicago Tribune, and I can investigate three, well, lots of issues, but three key ones. Did Jesus live? Was he executed? And was he reliably encountered later? That's all I really needed to establish, because Jesus clearly claimed to be the Son of God, and if he backed it up by returning from the dead, then I knew Christianity was true. But the Apostle Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Mm-hmm. You might as well walk away from all this. So uh, it was an, I realized it's investigatable, and so I plunged in like a journalist would, to investigate the biggest story that I'd ever really pursued, this question, who is Jesus? Could he be who he claimed to be? Yeah, I remember reading in The Case for Christ that you took that legal pad Yeah, and uh, pros and cons, right? Right, that's right. In the end, after a year and nine months of investigating the evidence, uh, it came down to a Sunday afternoon. Did your wife know what you were doing? No. Oh, during the investigation? Yeah. Well, yes and no. I mean, she didn't know the extent of it. But you weren't really talking about it then with each other. Not with her so much. She was a new Christian. I was more interested in talking to scholars and trying to find out uh, what you know. What's the historical data? What does archaeology tell us? What does ancient history tell us? What is what does science, cosmology, physics, and so forth tell us? So um, we discussed it a little bit. She was aware that I was checking things out, but she went to a woman in our church, actually a small group of women. She said, "I don't have any hope for my husband." No. He is the hard-hearted, hard-headed legal editor of the Chicago Tribune. He will never bend his knee to Jesus. Hmm. And they told her, don't give up. You know, uh, There's always hope. And they, they gave her a verse, Ezekiel 36, 26. Which says? says, moreover, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And she, this whole two years that I'm on this investigative journey, Behind the scenes, she's praying that verse for me every day. And uh, so November the 8th of 1981, I just added up the pros and cons. I, I wrote down the evidence longhand. This is before computers, you know, <laughs> and uh, just um, decided that in light of the avalanche of evidence that points so powerfully toward the truth of Christianity, it would have taken more faith to maintain my atheism than to become a Christian, mm-hmm. that the that scales had tipped. And uh, that's when I concluded it's true. And then I remember... Did you know what to do with it? Well, I I felt very let down. Because after two years of doing this and concluding, okay, I believe it. I believe Jesus lived. I believe he claimed to be the Son of God. He backed it up by returning from the dead. I get it. Now what? Now what? I I said, should there not be lightning striking? (laughs) Or an angel or something? I did. But then I remembered a, a Christian friend had pointed out a verse to me earlier, John 1, 12. So I got a Bible, I looked it up, and it says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believed in his name. Hmm. So I looked at that, and I said, that forms an equation of what it means to become a child of God. Believe, which I did, I believe, plus receive equals become. So I believed based on the data, but that wasn't enough. I had to receive this free gift of God's grace, this free gift of forgiveness and eternal life that Jesus purchased on the cross when he died as my substitute to pay for all of my sin. And when I would receive this in in repentance and faith, then I would become a child of God. Take me back to that moment when you and your wife got together then and you said, 
Oh, <laughs> I, I, I've made this decision. Right. Well, <laughs> well, I, what was that moment like? I walked out of our bedroom, and I walked down the hallway, and I looked into the kitchen. And there was my wife standing behind the kitchen sink. You remember this very well, don't very, you? Very well. Oh, I could, I could I just play it back in my mind. And our daughter, Allison, who was five years old by then, almost five, was standing in front of her. And Allison was standing on her tiptoes and reaching out. And for the first time, she was tall enough to touch the faucet. So I, I, I looked into the kitchen, and Allison said, Daddy, Daddy, look, look, I can touch it. I can reach it. I said, wow, you're really getting big. And she ran off. And I turned to Leslie, and I said, honey, that's how I feel. I said, I feel like for the last two years of my life, I've been reaching out and reaching. I just touched Jesus. Mm -hmm. He is alive. He is resurrected. He's the son of God. I just gave him my life. Mm. And she, she looked at me for a second, and then she burst into tears. And she threw her arms around my neck, and she said, I almost gave up on you a thousand times. And then she told me the story about praying that verse, Ezekiel 36, 26. And, uh, you know, you just wonder, like Moses' arms being held up, what really resulted in my conversion? Was it my two-year investigation, (laughs) or was it my wife's prayers behind the scenes? We'll talk more with Christian apologist Lee Strobel, the author of The Case for Christ, coming up on First Person Stay With Us. This is Ed Cannon, president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. The interview we're listening to reminds me of the remarkable way that God uses those who follow Christ to do great things for Him. At FEBC, we broadcast in nearly 50 countries of the world. Our staff always speaking in the local language, sharing the gospel, and teaching the word to millions every day. If you'd like to know more about FEBC, please click on the FEBC banner at firstpersoninterview.com. My guest today is Lee Strobel, the author of many books, including The Case for Christ, which we're going to talk more about in just a moment. Yeah, it's a new, updated version of The Case for Christ. Uh, Lee is in Houston now at Houston Baptist University, professor of Christian thought. Who would have thought that? (laughs) Who would have thought that? Some people say, that sounds like an oxymoron, Christian thought. No, actually, there can be thinking people who are Christians. Yeah. So you've relocated to Houston. Yes. And your your family is here. Of course, your your wife is with you, but you've got... uh, Our two oldest grandchildren grandchildren here. Two or four here. uh, They're terrific. They're 10 and 8. And my 10-year-old, this is awfully young, went on her first missions trip, a one-week-long missions trip, which, you know, they slept on sleeping bag and sleeping bags in a church basement in a little town near Dallas, and she led a little girl to faith in Jesus Christ. Oh. So, you know, as a grandfather... Your, your buttons are popping yeah, off your I know, shirt there, Lee. I know. It was such a moment to hear that. And, you know, I think she's become acclimated to Texas because the other day we were all having dinner together, and we said, she said, could I pray for dinner? We said, sure. So she prayed this. She prayed... Um, God is good. God is great. Thank you for the Lone Star State. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all. Y'all. <laughs> so I think she's a true Texan yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. But you're also teaching pastor at the Woodlands Church. Right. Uh, here in the Houston area. So God's good. You're, you're doing well, huh? Well, you know, I've had, I almost died five years ago. Um, I, um, had a health episode. My wife found me unconscious and, um, I got to the emergency room and woke up, and the doctor looked at me and said, you're one step away from a coma, two steps away from dying. Mm. So I was touch and go there for several days, and um, 
um, came through it by God's grace and, and as healthy as ever. Just had a checkup the other day and everything is still good. So uh, excited about the fact that when you're a Christian, you never retire. You, yeah. uh, you always have opportunities to share Christ. When you became a believer and you made all those notes on that legal yeah. pad, was that a book? Did you know, did you ever think that you'd write a book? No, I didn't. When I did my two-year investigation into the evidence for Christianity, um, it was just for me. I was just, I just wanted to know. But you were a writer, a journalist. I was a writer, but I, I wasn't planning to write anything, an article, a book, anything. It was not, it was the furthest thing from my mind. I just had a wife who was being pulled away from me into this evangelical subculture. I wanted to rescue her, get her out of this cult, go back to uh, the old Leslie. And um, so I, I didn't intend to write anything, and, and it wasn't for a number of years later, because I came to faith in 1981. It wasn't for, golly. About 15 years later, okay. that Leslie said to me, why don't you write a book about this? <laughs> and I looked at her, and I said, no, I can't do that. And I thought, well, wait a minute. You know, What if I retraced and expanded upon that journey yeah. and tape-recorded the interview so I get them all down straight, and, and, and maybe so. And so that's what resulted in the case for Christ. Okay, and it's been recently updated? Yes. Revised in any way? Yes, we updated it. We added a chapter in the, in the back of the book. Um, we... Um, address some critics who said, what about this and what about that? So we addressed those things. We updated the archaeological evidence. There's been some really interesting yeah. archaeological yeah, discoveries. every day in the newspaper, oh, my it goodness. seems like there's something new. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, updated the, the references. Um, you know, back when I wrote the book, there were very few popular-level apologetics books, books about the evidence for, for the faith. Now there's a lot of great ones, so I was able at the end of every chapter to recommend further reading on each of the various topics that I deal with. So we've updated quite a bit, and um, it's, it's fun to—I'll uh, tell you a quick story that uh, I was doing a radio show just the other day, and a guy called in, talked to the producer, and he didn't get on the air, so the producer told me the story later. She said, uh, he called in, he said, I'm a Christian. I always wanted to read Lee's book, but I went blind a few years ago from diabetes. And uh, so he said, I, had a, I have a girlfriend who who's, can see, and so I said to her, would you read me the book? Because I've always wanted to read it. And she said, okay. So she began. She read The Case for Christ aloud to him. I see where this is going. Yeah, and, and, and she, he said, after a couple of days, you could tell she was getting more and more emotionally invested. And she said, at the end of the book where you gave your life to Christ, she said, I want to do that too. Oh. And she closed the book and received Christ. Oh. So I love that. Yeah. I just <laughs> Only heaven's going to reveal the story. Oh. I mean, I'm sure you've heard some of them. Though. Oh, what, what are just one or two of the things that really stick out to you that oh. how God has used The Case for Christ. I'll tell you a couple of quick once there was a guy right when the book came out who's a amateur astronomer living in the suburbs of Chicago he was an atheist he went to Barnes and Noble to buy a book actually an astronomy magazine and he gets the magazine sits down on the bench to read it and he sat on something he pulls it out and he looks at it and it's a case for Christ and he looks looks at it and he says I don't believe this stuff I'm an atheist and he throws it aside and he said, it was like I heard a voice inside of me that said, I need to read, to read that book. So he said, I picked it up, I bought the book, I came to faith in Christ. <laughs> and in fact, that was many years ago, 18 years ago or so. I just got a note from him the other day. He's still following Christ. He's part of a church now down in Kentucky where he retired. Uh, another guy came to faith at one of the very first Billy Graham rallies. And he had a burden to reach his brother for Christ. His brother was a Harvard-educated attorney in Los Angeles who was an atheist. He, and he kept track of this, he prayed for his brother for 48 years mm. and 348 days. Oh, man. 48 years, 348 days with no results. He gave him a copy of the case for Christ for Christmas. It sat on his brother's shelf. 
His brother got very sick with cancer, uh, ended up on his deathbed. He read the book, and literally a day or two before he died, his brother said, you read the book, what do you think? Have you received Christ? And with tears in his eyes, he nodded and he said, yes, I have. And so after 48 years and 348 days of praying, um, you know, there's a guy, you think you just yeah. give up. You wrote the book, the first edition when? Now, it came out in 1998. 1998. Yeah. Um, was, is there any sense in which apologetics has changed? Or, yes. or the culture towards apologetics has changed in this length of time? Everything's changed, you know? Um, back then, um, very few churches dealt with apologetics issues. There were very few books about it. Would have helped my investigation if there had been a lot of books that were available today, yeah. um, but they weren't around. And what's, here's, the, here's the trend I've seen. Christians are not generally reading books by the new atheists. They don't read Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens, but their neighbors do, or their colleagues at work do. And, they're, and they say, well, hey, you're a Christian. What about this, or what about that? And because churches for many years did not help and train their congregation in apologetics, they don't know what to say. So now they're going to their pastors and saying, hey, you need to help us. You need to train us and equip us how to defend our faith in a skeptical world. So what's happening is this demand for apologetics is bubbling up from the pews, and more and more churches are doing series on these topics and um, doing um, 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 small group discussions. So churches are doing a better job. They are doing a better job. There's more scholarship. I believe we're on the cusp of a golden era of Christian apologetics. We have better scholarship. We've got some incredible thinkers on the on the scholarly level and on the popular level. We've got churches that are, are um, pursuing new paths, and we're trying new mediums, new media, new approaches. Like, for instance, uh, some of the movies "God's Not Dead," "God's Not Dead 2 were kind of the early attempts to present evidence. Uh, my book, "Case for Christ," is being made into a motion picture that'll release in spring of 2017. It's our attempt to say, well, maybe we could present this in a fresh way, a different way that would reach a different generation. So I'm very optimistic about um, the current state and the future of apologetics. So are millennials and even younger people as interested or more interested in apologetics? Here's the funny thing, Wayne. When I was interviewing one of the scholars for the case for Christ, uh, I had to pause to change the tape on my tape recorder. And during that pause, he said to me, you know, nobody's going to read your book. And I said, why not? He said, hey, Young people especially don't care anymore about evidence for the faith. We live in a postmodern world. Your truth is my truth. Nobody cares anymore. Nobody's going to read your book. Very happy for you that you believe those things. Yeah, yeah, good for you, but it's just not for me. You got your truth, I got my truth. When the book came out, we were shocked that the single biggest group of people who wrote me to say they'd come to faith through the book were 16 through 24-year-olds. Young people. And that's why we did a student edition, and that's why we did a children's edition. We weren't planning to do that. We did it because young people are interested. They want to know, is my faith well-grounded? Is the foundation firm, or is it squishy? Is it is it built on wishful thinking and make-believe and mythology and legend? Or is it built on a solid foundation of historical truth? And can it stand up against the culture when all these other things are going on swirling around us? Exactly. As the cultures become increasingly skeptical and even hostile toward the faith— now people are, you know, Christians are saying, I need to know that my faith is well-placed. A film telling the life story of Lee Strobel is in production now and will likely be released in 2017. As always, we'll place additional information about today's guest at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. 
Thanks for joining us today. It's always great to get your feedback on what you hear. So please visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. You can leave your comments there and learn just a bit more about this program and our guests. Or use our webpage, firstpersoninterview.com. This weekly visit is made possible through the Far East Broadcasting Company, which loves to have stories of God working in people's lives told. FEBC has a few stories of their own, and you can learn more when you click on the banner at firstpersoninterview.com. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.